Hello, this is Shirley Smith. Today we're going to talk about how America uh, has developed inattentional blindness in some areas. Now, there are many areas that I think this exists, but we will just discuss one of them today. And coming to you again from Bridge the Gap, uh, so looking at ways to uh, repair relationships and build trust in America. This is Shirley Smith. Uh, we're with Bridge the Gap again. Uh, today we're talking about ways to build relationships and instill trust. And one of the things that we want to discuss is how we got here in America. We have inattention blindness, and all that simply means is this, that if something does not concern us personally, we can actually not see it or hear it. And a perfect example of that is uh, the issues with police policing in America and the shooting of African-American men. Uh, that has gone unnoticed in America, whereas the rest of the world noticed it. And so they started rioting when America started rioting on behalf of the oppression that they saw happening in the United States of America. And so uh, what I have a thought about, because that's my, my line is I have a thought, and just please think with me. Uh, one of the things that I believe is missing is that if we as individuals do not take care of ourselves, and that's looking at our mind, our spirit, our soul, and body. If we're not paying attention to ourselves in those four ways, we can actually totally go from selflessness to selfishness. And it's not done intentional, I hope not, but it does happen. And so my thinking is that if we look at ways to improve our mind, soul, and body, and spirit, we then can function more and be a more trusting person as well as being more tolerant uh, and more appreciative of diversity and other people on the earth. That's regardless of nation, regardless of place, uh, ethnicity, a place that a person is actually from, region of the country or region of the world, it doesn't matter. So let me introduce myself and I want to do three things in this in this particular broadcast. One is just introduce myself uh, in relationship to what I'm referring to, learning tolerance for people. And then the second thing of the mind, spirit, soul, and body, we will just focus on the mind uh, tonight. And then also, uh, the third thing that I'd like to do is give an example of the inattention blindness and how that developed in America. Now, this is just one example. This is, there are probably hundreds and thousands, but I will just give one example of how this inattention blindness developed within America. And I think we could probably apply that example to many, many other areas where America has seen has appeared to be asleep. 
So, first of all, just to introduce myself, I'm a single parent of three sons, and I'm sure many of you can identify with that. And so, the um, reason I mention that is because just knowing that uh, and living in America, some of you will understand and appreciate what it takes to be a single parent, uh, be African American, and also have three sons in America. So the second thing that I'll mention is that I do love travel. So I've traveled to over 30 countries and uh, over 38 states. And the way I got to do that is, I call it a blessing, but I had an opportunity to work in corporate America for 15 years in the computer industry. And so while in that industry, I had an opportunity to travel first all over the United States to 38 states as in training the sales force for a large computer company and then I had a chance to travel to about 22 countries uh, in actually managing uh, global marketing projects. One was a customer loyalty program and the other was a time when Y2K occurred and we needed to develop the communication strategy and also meet with the country leaders to make sure that they had they could uh, develop implementation plans for the strategies that were developed and then we audited those plans so it was a lot of travel going to other countries uh, the great thing that i learned about travel and i think travel is extremely important for us as we're learning appreciation for culture and diversity uh, so The things that I learned from that is respect for other cultures, tolerance for other cultures, learn more about American history while in other countries, um, and then also, of course, learn history of those countries, and as well as how much um, we are the same. So we always think of being very different from people in other countries, but as you start to work with people in other countries, you learn that how much you have in common. And so one of the key things that I've learned in those travels is that all humans require respect and love. And when traveling the 38 states within America, it's interesting because as you go from coast to coast, each region within the United States has its own culture. So uh, not only did I have an opportunity to travel uh, through a number of states in the United States, but I also had an opportunity to live in the South, in the Southwest, and also the West. And so six different states in three of the four regions of the country. So I learned a lot about the difference even within American culture and so a difference within ethnicities. And so that's important because as you learn, the more you learn about the differences uh, that people have, you also learn about their values. And it's key to understand what values you have in common, especially when you're in business because you have to build relationships in order to get the business done. Prior to uh, the computer industry, I was actually in the insurance industry for 10 years. And so the, the value of that was, was clear. Uh, I learned the importance of 
life insurance, health insurance, homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, warranty insurance. And, and I say that, and, and you may look at that lightly, but actually that's very key because if you have your insurances in order, that has also to do with your overall wealth. And so we won't go into that tonight because we will dedicate one of our sessions to what I call the body. And during the body, it's not only health, but it's also financial and wealth. So we will talk about those things too in one of our broadcasts to come. So uh, going back to other things learned uh, in corporations is very key. I learned the value of developing strategy in everything that you do. I learned the value of building relationships, doing teamwork, and doing your share in that teamwork. I learned the value of auditing the plans that you have created so that you can revise any plans that, are, that needs revising in order to have the best outcome. I really learned the value of prayer in corporate America. Not that corporate America had us praying, but I did have to pray in order to stay there. (laughs) Those of you who are in corporate America, you will understand. And then also knowing and applying scripture, that became very key for me. So it's one thing to be able to read a scripture or two or read through the Bible. But do you know how to apply the scriptures in situations that has nothing to do with the church? Uh, So I learned how to really apply scripture there. I learned to respect diversity. And also, uh, I learned to tolerate and to respect the majority culture. And so I say it that way because when you're a minority in corporations, you truly are a minority. When I was in the corporate world, um, most situations that I was in, or most, especially in the computer industry, uh, most jobs that I held, I was the only female and the only African-American. So that in itself uh, takes quite a bit to exist in a majority environment. So even when I went to other countries, I was still the only female and the only African-American. So if I was in China, I'm around Chinese males. If I'm in Japan, I'm around Japanese males. Uh, So and on and on. In Europe, same thing, Uh, European males. Uh, Very seldom were there women in the meetings that I was responsible for presenting and conducting. Uh, because I sat at a level where it was to represent the corporate level with strategies and then working with country managers and regional managers in order to establish implementation plans to carry those objectives and strategy out. So uh, going on from there, not only did I work in corporate America, but I also did ministry for over 25 years in various denominations. And I say that because it's important to understand that even within one religion, which we'll say Christianity, there are many denominations. There are over a hundred different denominations. And so 
everybody has similar doctrines, but not totally the same doctrine. And so those are, those are things we need to be aware of when we learn to value the culture of other, other people. Now, in addition to that, you need to value the culture and, the, and better understand how people operate in other religions. Because when you're working with people, people are people and we're all different. We all have different values. Some of our values are the same. But the key thing is, can you, can you hone in on those values that are the same, the ones that you have in common? And that's how you build relationships. Now, uh, going on to um, other things that we need to be aware of, and I'll say this as a Christian, I think it's important to really read your Bible all the way through, whereas I know many people who do not do that. They read some of the books or some of the scriptures, but not all the way through the scriptures, and I think that's very important that we need to be able to do that. So, um, on and we would say this is that the second thing I wanted to talk about is the mind. Well, why the mind? Well, glad you asked. <laughs> so, the thing that we need to concentrate on, I think, is if we want to develop relationships or better relationships with other people that do not look like us, then we need to develop our mind and our mindset. So our mindset will grow some with being exposed to diverse people, but then sometimes we have to purpose to um, expand our thinking when it comes to other people. So one of the things I did is start a race and reconciliation book club. And this book club is actually quite outstanding. We are reading some outstanding books. Uh, one of the things that we're reading about, the first subject matter, is actually race itself. We have learned uh, from several authors that race actually, the word race actually start, got its beginning in the late 1600s. Before then, people were not referred to as having a different race. People were just people. And so we learned that in, by several authors, but some that I will mention to you that I think are wonderful, that you must read. And this is uh, Dr. Willie James Jennings. He wrote the book titled The Christian Imagination. It is outstanding, and it goes into how America was started, how slavery was started, why it was started. Uh, why race was uh, started, uh, why did people start using that word, and why did it become so much more used in the 1700s and 1800s. Then there is Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy DeGuerre, and um, she has also added quite a bit of information in history that is really essential for you to understand. And I think for in order for us as different uh, people, diverse people, we need to understand each other better. And then there is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, which is helpful with understanding how uh, we are perceived, meaning how we are perceived as black people, how we are received as white people, 
in other minorities. How, how do we receive information and how we respond to the information. And so books like that is key. Not only am I a part of the Race and Reconciliation Book Club, but I've also joined a second book club. And this is a book club where uh, a group of us were members, oh, about 15, almost 20 years ago. And uh, we have decided to reconvene because there are so many, so much interesting information that's been coming out since I say the year 2000. And we're having to expand our thinking because we're getting more history than we've had in the past. And so the other thing, other way of expanding our thinking and growing tolerance for others is to basically travel. So we've mentioned the number of countries that I've been to and the things that I've really learned from going to those countries. Now notice I didn't talk about specific cultures. What I did talk about is growing tolerance, uh, gaining respect for, and I think that's very key that we gain those things and understand the people, the culture, uh, nations, and ethnicities because there is quite a variety when it comes to humans. Uh, the other thing that we want to look at is education, but I caution you with our typical academic books that we have used in the past. Unfortunately, we're finding out that some of those books are a bit uh, lacking in information. So a lot of African American information, Native American and Asian American history was not included in the textbooks that our children and that we read coming from kindergarten all the way up through uh, doctoral programs. So we want to make sure that we are aware that now there are more books coming out with greater information. And because of this, I, I look at this as being one of the many things that has caused inattention blindness in America. Because we were given the history of more European Americans than any other Americans, that left out a lot of history from our textbooks. And so if we do not know what contributions African Americans have made, Asian Americans have made, Native Americans have made, to our country, to our culture, to our history, then we tend not to respect or even see them. It's almost like all of us are invisible. African Americans are invisible. Native Americans are invisible. Asian Americans are invisible. Because we were left out of textbooks, so we're almost like invisible. And I will say this because I listened to one of um, Michelle Obama's podcasts recently, and she gave an example of how African-Americans have been invisible in this country for years. She mentioned that when she was, her husband was still in office, when President Obama was still in office, she and her daughters and a friend of hers uh, went to get yogurt after um, softball or hockey, some type of game that her daughters were involved in. And they got in line with their caps and their usual jeans and because they didn't want to stand out. She actually requested Secret Service to stand far back because she didn't want to call attention to them. 
And so they're standing in this line waiting to get their yogurt and a white woman walks up and gets right in front of her as if they were not there. And so her friend looks at her, doesn't say anything because she knows that Michelle does not want to cause a scene because they're trying to be invisible being, you know, the pres the first lady and, and children. Uh, so she, Michelle makes the decision to go ahead and tap the lady on the shoulder and say, excuse me, but we were in line. And so the lady didn't even look at her. So the way she saw it is that the woman saw darker skin and she immediately just dismissed it. It was almost like they were invisible. So she just got in front of her. So to this day, I guess that lady still doesn't know that she stepped in front of the first lady because she never even gave her the respect of looking at her when she asked her to move. She just moved and went to another line. So uh, that's an interesting example of uh, blindness, inattention blindness. You can't see the president's wife because you're so focused on getting in line and getting the yogurt that you miss the president of the United States wife and children and friends and you miss Secret Service and obviously the black SUVs parked outside. So another example and this is one that I will end my broadcast with today but another example of what causes inattention blindness is this. <coughs> Uh, I watched an interview with Phil Armstrong, who is the project director of the Race Massacre Centennial Commission in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I just watched that this week. He was being interviewed by the president of Fuller Theological Seminary. And so he, he first says this, May 31st, 1921, we have always in America referred to that as a race riot. That African Americans started a riot. And it and what happened is that Greenwood, the Greenwood Black Wall Street was burned down along with houses and land and just a number of things. And so the comment that he made is this. Number one, it was never a riot. It was a massacre. And so that's key. So in our history books, first of all, we left this out. And the little information that we have carried from generation to generation by mouth and the little bit that was written and the little bit that was found in the Oklahoma Historical Society referred to this as a riot rather than a massacre when it was not started by African Americans. But indeed, a, um, the whites in the town actually attacked and killed somewhere between, I think, 300 to 1,000 people came up missing. And the reason why there's such a big jump, 300 were actually found dead the other 700 or so were just piled into trucks and dug, a big hole was dug and they were just thrown into a mass grave. So no death certificates were ever written. This is amazing to me. Um, 
that people never got to see their relatives again after that day. They never even had a chance to go to court. There was no mention of the whole massacre later. And because it was mislabeled as a riot rather than a massacre, even though there was in today's dollars about 25 million to 30 million dollars was lost, people could not file insurance claims because it was deemed a riot, not a massacre. So because it was deemed a riot, insurance companies would not honor insurance claims. And then on top of that, no trace of records could be found in the city on purpose. Only way they were able to get a lot of the information they do have is through eyewitnesses that are still living. So eyewitnesses from generation to generation spoke of what happened. And so the Oklahoma Historical Society was able to gather some information. But this is a perfect example of how we develop attention blindness. We basically totally ignored a massacre that last 18 hours killed somewhere between 300 and 1,000 people, left people homeless, and so no death certificates ever um, uh, signed, uh, people not given any information about their people. And then on top of that, it says, uh, Mr. Armstrong said that the, the um, sheriff's department, police departments, they even deputized people who wanted to do lynchings and murders. So they deputized the people to make it legal that they could actually murder and destroy homes and murder people. Uh, and so even to this day, people have covered this up. It's as if it never happened. And so <clears throat> when asked, when asked, why are we bringing this up now? Because if you've been watching the news, you'll know that in Oklahoma, they're starting to, they found what they think is the mass grave. They're digging it up so that they can identify all the bodies so that people can actually have closure in the death of their relatives from what, a hundred years ago. Nothing was done for a hundred years. And so <clears throat> the other thing that I will just mention that I found amazing is that Native Americans were actually moved off of their land from the southern states, including Mississippi, um, to Oklahoma. And not only were Native Americans moved, but so were African Americans. So literally in Oklahoma at one point, there were thousands of African Americans and Native Americans present. It was so many African Americans that at one point, they actually considered making Oklahoma an African American state. And this was in 1883 is when they made that, did that consideration of making it uh, an African-American state. And so the other thing that I found was very interesting, and this is why it's so important for our history books in our academic arenas to have 
all the history, but this is, we found that Native Americans were also the second largest slave owners uh, in the country. And so this is why so many African Americans and Native Americans, when the Native Americans were moved off their land, so did the African Americans who were slaves move. And then those who were not slaves, they also moved. And they requested that other additional African Americans come to Oklahoma because they felt that they were doing well, they were prospering, they were owning their own land, building their own houses, and all of these things were happening. And that's prior to the massacre. The other thing that was very interesting is that Oklahoma did not become a state until 1907, but one of the first things they did was establish Jim Crow laws. So that was to keep blacks and whites separated. Uh, that would continue this ignoring one race over the other. And at some point, we look at this and say, the only reason, and this is interesting, the only reason the massacre really occurred is because there was jealousy, envy, and strife that the African Americans were doing so well that they had started their own banks, their own stores. They dealt with each other as far as commerce and poor whites became frustrated. And with anything happening, um, you know, Ku Klux Klan started to develop and grow and then just more and more envy and when certain things would happen or if the races would mix or touch each other or whatever, um, people would sometimes blow up a situation and make it rape when it was just accidental touch of somebody's hand. So <clears throat> just wanted to bring that out. Um, today was we need to expand our thinking. And I think as we all expand our thinking through reading, and educating ourselves, especially with all the new information that's now being allowed to be printed. Now that museums are getting accurate information in, there's that's another way to expand your thinking. We can't travel right now because of, of the virus. The United States is limited, and I think only 30 countries are allowing us to travel there at this time because of the virus. And uh, so, all these ways are very important to consider, especially in educating ourselves. And as we educate our minds, hopefully we will have more tolerance, we'll have more understanding, and we'll have more respect for each other. Uh, the last thing I'd like to say about the massacre of 1921 is this. I think it's important to know this that when the African-Americans' homes were burned and people were murdering the African-Americans, the Red Cross, the American Red Cross, actually came to their help to provide them with food and shelter. There were some churches which were white churches, like the Holy Cathedral Catholic Church, the First Presbyterian Church, and the First United Methodist Church, actually hid African-Americans and fed them and helped them 
to get back on their feet after their city of about 33 blocks was destroyed. So I have a thought. My thought is that if we educate our minds, it will expand our thinking. Our thinking will expand our tolerance for people of all backgrounds. And hopefully with that tolerance, we will start to appreciate different cultures and we will minimize something that was started as a revenue generation plan, which is race. Uh, that's the real reason the, the name race has been used is because it was a way of generating revenue by selling humans and saying that they were different. That's why it was okay to sell them and use them as slaves. So next time, I hope to think talk about one of the other areas, either spirit, soul, or body. But today was mine. I thank you for listening to I Have a Thought on how to bridge the gap. And I thank you for listening to my thought. <laughs>